Well, good morning, church family. Pastor Matt here. Just want to say happy Mother's Day and to share that we are going to be having a unique time together today. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 31, and I'm going to be interviewing my beautiful bride here, asking her some questions just in regards to motherhood and the significance of, again, this proverb, but the significance of motherhood. And if you've been with us, you know we've been studying through the book of Ruth, this great story of redemption. We've, we've titled this series From Broken to Beautiful. And last week we saw Boaz who finally kind of had his eye caught by Ruth. But the, the primary reason that, that she stuck out to him was that she was a woman of character. She was uh, faithfully serving her mother-in-law, working super hard from sunup to sundown and uh, just a, a woman of evident, obvious and evident character. And so it was just been fun looking at that. And, and you know, Ruth has really shown us that uh, even though she was in the midst of these really hard life circumstances, that her character didn't waver. That actually in the midst of this hard time, that her character shone through. That when she was pressed, um, the, her, her character is what came out and what shone so brightly. And so just uh, been really encouraged by that. Um, you know, I know for, for Cheryl and I, we have lived through various challenges ourselves, from personal health issues to marital conflict. Yes, we haven't had a perfect peachy marriage. Um, to our kids getting sick. You know, there's been a lot of things that, that, that we've been challenged by. And some of those things have been incredibly encouraging and they've really bolstered and strengthened our faith. But some of those challenges, quite frankly, have revealed a lack in our faith in areas where we still need to grow in areas where we maybe are trusting in ourselves as opposed to trusting in the Lord. And so, uh, but as I've watched my wife over the years, I think it's been uh, just amazing to see that uh, a mother's role is never ending. A mother has about 20 full-time jobs at every given time. And I just, I don't know how they ever find time to sleep. It just doesn't make any sense, right? So you start going through the list of you're a teacher, you're a professional chef, you're a chauffeur, you're a, a mentor, you're, you need to be discipling your children, you need to be uh, their dietitian and the nurse. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on of the role uh, a mother plays in the life of her children. And, uh, you know, these roles are, are very demanding upon a woman emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's a tough, tough job. And I, I couldn't do it. Uh, she can do it, and she does really good at it, um, even if she says otherwise sometimes. But really this role we need to realize of motherhood, it really is this sacred stewardship. And that's kind of the concept that I want you to, to walk away from today is that any role that God has us in in this, in this life, it's, it's sacred stewardship, a role that he's given to us to uh, really reveal and reflect him to the world around us. And so Again, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 31, which is probably the most intimidating of all Proverbs if you're a woman. And, uh, and so not trying to scare you off here right off the bat, but it really is the, the description and the definition of uh, a woman of virtuous character and the blessing it is to a man to have a wife of such noble character. And so what's been interesting as, as we've looked at this and as we've studied this, we've seen that the proverb itself is actually directed towards a man. It's not directed towards a woman. It's, it's 
Hey, young men, this is what you should be looking for when considering a bride. These are the things that, that you want to be mindful of because these things impact the rest of your life. And so uh, that's just really important for us to understand that this proverb really is applicable no matter who you are. If you're a single man, a single woman, uh, recently married, whether you're, you've been a parent for a long time or a grandparent, there are principles in this proverb uh, that we would all do well and be wise to pay attention to. And so just a little background on Proverbs. I think this is really important for us to know is that Proverbs are biblical principles. They are godly wisdom, but they are not promises. And I think that's something that we really need to be careful of because if you take a proverb and you misinterpret it as a promise, you can get yourself into trouble. For example, Proverbs 22.6 says to raise a child up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Well, I know a lot of people who have children who've gone wayward and never returned to the faith that they were once raised in. So what we need to recognize is, yes, be wise, raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, but that's a principle. It's not a promise. And so just really being careful in the way that we read Proverbs as this is just godly wisdom. And in general, when you follow godly wisdom, things do go well for you uh, and, and your life will be blessed and there will be provision and all these things. And so the other thing about Proverbs we need to realize is um, they are not, God did not intend the Proverbs to uh, make us feel inadequate, to, to make us feel like, oh, we just don't measure up. They're actually to encourage us to seek wisdom, to pursue it, and to grow in it over a lifetime, and to realize that uh, part of the sacred stewardship of life in general is continuing to grow in the ways and the things of the Lord. And so, um, kind of right off the bat in the Proverbs, something that's super cool that I think that uh, maybe people gloss over or miss is that wisdom itself is personified as a woman, showing that uh, that a woman is is someone of incredible value, just like wisdom is of incredible value. So the Proverbs attribute uh, wisdom to a female, and so, you know, that's kind of fun um, and, uh, and probably adequate because fem- females are smarter than men here. But, uh, but here, well, let's just go ahead and read this proverb. It, it describes the value of a virtuous wife, again, written to a man, but... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have you read verses 10 through 31 for us. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her households are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. 
She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. That's awesome. As I'm listening to that, I'm, I'm feeling inside like, man, I'm glad I'm not a woman, because uh, that's just such a tall order. That's like, who can do all that? Like, no way. It's impossible. And so... Um, but again, what's so interesting is to remember the context that this is written to a man. And really, verse 23 is the middle. This is this Proverbs Hebrew poetry, and it's a, it's a chiasm. And so the, the pinnacle of this thing is verse 23 that says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And you think, like, what in the world does that have to do with this woman of noble character? But essentially, what it's telling us is that... Um, there is a woman of noble character behind every good man. And, and I like to say it this way, is that behind every good man is a great woman. Um, and that, that honor and dignity and respect, even within a community of, of a man, is, it has a lot to do with the woman who is by his side. And so um, I know that for a fact that just I myself, I wouldn't be a pastor, I wouldn't be a ministry, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, I wouldn't be where I am in life if I hadn't had you by my side throughout the entirety of the journey. And I know I don't say it enough, but I am super grateful for you and love you and cherish you. And uh, you have proven to be an exceptional helpmate, an exceptional wife. And I just see uh, the care of Christ and the compassion, God's compassion in you. And uh, you have just been a model to me of faithfulness and integrity and steadfastness. And I know it hasn't been easy. It's, mm. it's been hard. Most of it because you're trying to put up with me. Uh, but uh, those are things that I think are uh, just I value so much. And, and over the you know decade and a half, it's just been amazing uh, just to see the Lord continue to use you and to have you by my side. So, uh, but I, I do also think that as anyone would read through this proverb, the temptation is to think, oh, this is, this is what I need to do. Like, this is what uh, uh, a virtuous woman does. And so here's my list. You know, how many women have their lists of things, right? And it's like, man, if I'm checking off my list, I'm winning. But if I'm not checking off my list, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. And really... Uh, where this thing lands, I think, is so critical because it really gets to uh, a, a virtuous woman's motives in all that she does. And it really culminates in verse 30 where it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so it's not saying that charm and beauty are a bad thing. I'm super grateful that you're a beautiful woman and I like looking at you. Um, but it's just saying that those are not the most important things. That, that's not what is most important. Those, those things, you know, beauty is like the flowers of the fields here today and gone tomorrow. And, you know, you and I've got a couple gray hairs over the years and a few extra wrinkles since having children. Uh, 
But the most important thing we see from this proverb is a woman who fears the Lord, a woman who seeks to honor God in all that she does, a woman that has these really strong biblical convictions about uh, what am I really living for? Who am I really doing this for? It's Mm -hmm. not to build my own reputation or to be seen as something special, but it's to honor God. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters most. And so I got a few questions here that I just want to to process with you, to ask you and have uh, just just give some, maybe pull back the curtain on our lives a little bit and let people just see how we've processed through uh, some of the journey of, of marriage and parenting and, and motherhood. And so the first question I want to ask is really connected to uh, that motive in motherhood. And that is, how would you define the fear of the Lord or what has helped you to understand this concept in a biblical way, because I know there's some confusion around that idea of the fear of the Lord. So, mm-hmm. how would you uh, how would you address that? Well, I'm actually gonna just read from this book. We're actually reading this right now, the Pastors' Wives. Um, ironically, at this time, and the chapter is actually titled "On Becoming a God Fearing Woman." Nice. So, as I was re-looking at this, I was like, she just says it so well so there's no point of me putting my own words so i'm just going to read this it says when we fear the lord rightly we do so not as those who are terrified of him christ our mediator assures us that we may approach the throne of god with confidence we do not tremble as the demons do they rightly fear the wrath of god rather we tremble as those who understand that god's wrath towards us is satisfied on the cross When we fear God rightly, we recognize him for who he truly is, a God of no limits, and therefore, utterly unlike anyone or anything we know, this is the start of becoming wise. And so that just, that sums it up. Mm. It's Christ is, Mm. he satisfied God's wrath Mm. on the cross. Mm. And so we don't come in a fear of what will happen to us, but in a right fear Mm. of who he is. And so, um, so I think that has just helped me in a better understanding of what that looks like. Because if I am fearing, if I'm fearing God rightly, then I'm not fearing man. Mm. And so my, the way Mm. I act in motherhood the way I respond to my husband, everything flows out of this reality that mm. I am first right with God mm. and he sees me and he knows me and I'm walking in a way that my desire is to first and foremost honor him. Yeah, yeah that's huge. We just live in such a people-pleasing culture. and So thinking of it as like, man, my first motive is to honor and please God. Like that's my true desire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It is hard. You know, I remember in college I memorized Galatians one ten because I'm naturally, I can bend naturally towards the people pleasing. Mm. And so I put that on my mirror and I memorized it to remind myself so that I could bring myself back to that. that mm. I'm not living to please man, but I'm mm. living to please God. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. All right, so the second question is this, is uh, what to you, as you've just read through Proverbs 31, uh, what about this proverb is the most intimidating to you? Okay, you set? Yeah. Okay. I think if you read it just through a lens of these are all of 
the attributes. These are all the things I need to be as a wife and a woman. The whole thing can just feel overwhelming because it's like, how, how can I do this and this and this and this all at the same time and not become utterly exhausted? <laughs> and it's just like, it's impossible. But, you know, I think if you read it through, when I read it through again and read it through a lens of these are all of the opportunities and these are all of the different areas that God gives me to be able to use the gifts and abilities that he's wired me with, then I read it through a, a much different lens. Hmm. You know, I think addressing intimidating right away, the, the scripture that talks about sewing is actually probably the most intimidating for me. When I think about, like, making your own linen garments and clothing your kids, you know, in the fine purple linen, and I am not a sewer at all. I don't even put buttons on shirts. I don't sew buttons. You had a hole in your jeans, and you put your own patch on. And, <laughs> you know, that's just not an area for me that I do well in. I think probably don't even have much of a desire for, and I probably grow a little bit. I could, you know, do buttons maybe. Um, maybe. And my, my mom is... If she sees this, she'll be so embarrassed because she's such a gifted seamstress. And I just did not get that gene. And so I think if I read it through the lens of this is who I need to be, I need to be a seamstress. Then I would just feel like I'm I'm just falling yeah. short. And I'm always going to fall short in this yeah. area. So. Yeah. yeah, and same with like a business owner, right? Like, oh, I need to be a seamstress, a business owner. Uh, just the list oh, yeah. goes on and on. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, so the next question I want to ask you is, uh, what has been the greatest joy of motherhood for you? There are so many joys I can think of. I think probably the first that comes to mind is just watching our kids become their own little people, um, seeing their personalities, mm -hmm. seeing their different giftings and abilities, and in that, as they're getting older, seeing how they use their giftings and abilities, even with one another. I remember Maggie sitting on the couch, and because she's such an avid reader, and she loves it. And so she's sitting on the couch reading, and all the kids are around her, and they're so engaged. And just watching that, those are those sweet mom moments where you're like, yes. Like, I love that. And they're getting along, and it's really sweet. And so just grabbing onto those moments. Um, I think that's been just a joy watching those, those moments happening yeah. between the kids. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned, um, just seeing the kids become who God's made them to be. Mm -hmm. So how would, what would you, what would you comment on that? Yeah. I think, you know, Maggie and Samara, they were baptized now a couple years ago, but just even seeing for them, like, I'm not saying go to your room and, go read your Bible, but seeing them sometimes sneak away and I'll go peek upstairs and they have their Bible open mm -hmm. and they're underlining verses and writing them in their journal and just watching that God making them into their own people and even starting them in relationship with him. And it's becoming apart from me. It's their own. Mm -hmm. And that's been really sweet. Yeah. It's been fun too. Just seeing the, 
the differences in our kids, oh, right, yeah. and the different personalities and, and the different challenges with the different people. But uh, it's it's great just to, again, see them be who God's made them to be. So uh, next question is, what has been the greatest challenge, perhaps, for you in motherhood? Well, you know this because we've talked about this often, but that it doesn't come easily to me. Hmm. And I don't mean that motherhood is easy by any means, but I felt like some people fell into it much more gracefully. They knew how to change diapers. They knew, like, it just seemed like they knew more than I did. And so I always felt like I was kind of fumbling through motherhood and still feel like that and would often say, God, I'm just not good at this. And God in his kindness would speak to my heart each time and say, that's why I have you doing this so you're dependent upon me. And so I know it's the primary area that I need to depend on the Lord for. So I think ultimately it's, I, I, you know, grew up definitely more like accomplishment driven, um, more, I think it was like second grade. My teacher said, Cheryl used to always write all of your letters had to be just perfect. And it was like, I had this perfectionist nature and it didn't, naturally lend itself well to motherhood and nor did I want it to because I don't want my kids to feel like they're this project Mm. that they have to fall into so I think it's been it's definitely been a continued growing for me and a continued dependence upon Mm. Jesus yeah yeah because you're you're highly competent you're highly capable uh, you're able to handle a lot but motherhood is has stretched you in a way that um that probably has, has revealed more of your neediness than oh, yeah. than anyone would want to say, right? Yes. It's like, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm that needy or like, gosh, like, what? How come I can't get my act together? Yeah. Sort of yes. thing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's it's challenging. Parenting in general is is a definite challenge, and it's not a, again, it's not something that like, okay, my kids have great character that can check off the list. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's day by day, and so you could see how for an achiever and, and someone who's a perfectionist, like it's just like you feel like you're on the hamster wheel and, and never really accomplishing anything. But when in fact that faithfulness day in and day out in the long run really is doing something deep in their hearts. And so uh, you do you do a great job at that. Um, well, I've had to remind myself that what, I think what you touched on character, like character is not a one and done. It's a lifelong and over time. Yeah. And we know that even for ourselves. You know, we are regularly growing in our own character Mm. as well and so i think that reminder is helpful for me yeah that's huge that's huge so inevitably we have some single men and women listening to us now and they're thinking what does this have to do with us right now and come on get on to something more relevant to me i'm just kidding Mm -hmm. but uh, how would you encourage single men and single women uh in just on this topic um uh, just yeah what encouragements would you have for someone in that life stage yeah um i you know it's interesting as i was reading that and as i just think of scripture as a whole if you look at the adjectives it's all adjectives that would mark a believer in general mm. um of living in a mar- in a manner that is worthy of our calling and so i think you know i would say to single men and women 
just continue to follow Jesus, mm. continue to walk in his ways. And, you know, if you desire a husband or a wife, seek first the kingdom mm. and his righteousness. And if that's what God has for you, it'll be beautiful when that person comes along by your yeah. side. Um, and so I would say this is relevant to anybody mm. of just some of the things like working hard with your hands, um, having your hands open to the poor. Mm. Those are all things that can be applied to every person, every yeah. believer. Yeah, that's huge. And, and we've said and heard uh, often just this idea of uh, be the person you would want to marry or become the person you would want to marry, right? And so everyone's like looking for a spouse that has these certain characteristics mm -hmm. about them. All the while, they're not looking in the mirror and saying, well, who am I becoming, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of husband or wife or mother or father am I going to be? Well, that character is forged long before marriage and long before you're a parent. It, 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 again, it develops over time. And so just, you know, again, like you just said, seek to grow in godliness, seek to grow in Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm. um, that, that applies to all of us. And so, all right, well, let's, let's get into uh, a little bit of um, kind of modern language of this idea of mommy guilt. And uh, if you don't know what mommy guilt is, it's the idea that uh, a mom feels bad about taking care of herself or taking care of her own needs. There are so many demands with the children and, and elsewhere and so many things vying for your attention that you feel bad about taking care of yourself, whether that's spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, whatever that may be. And so tell us just how have you wrestled with or combated uh, this very real temptation to feel bad about caring uh, for yourself and taking care of your own needs. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely, as you know, a challenge for me. I can think I am doing the right thing by putting everybody else's needs above my own, which is we're all called to be self-sacrificing, you know, in our lives and to put others above ourselves. But you know, I had an appointment with our doctor shortly after Joseph was born, and she asked me, what are you doing to care for yourself, Cheryl? And I stopped, and it was silent, and I said, nothing. I couldn't think of anything. And she just challenged me, and she said, you have three girls at home watching you, and they're seeing how you are living and how you're caring for yourself. And that's an example to them of how they're going to care for themselves later. Mm. And it just really challenged me in that the way that I am taking care of my spiritual, my physical, my emotional health is so important to being able to even care for my family. Mm. That I need to care well for myself so that there's an overflow to my family. Mm. And so I'm still working on that. Um, I, you know, I think when it says in scripture to rise, you know, she rose while it was still night. Um, I can tend to be a night owl and have a hard time getting up in the morning. So that's like my new goal right now is just like, I want to rise early so that I can have that, you know, caring for myself time, but it's also a discipline. Hmm. It's disciplining myself to care for the needs of my heart mm. and for my physical self mm. so that I'm ready to care for my family yeah. better. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's just so huge. And I think, again, it can be a, um, 
people see self-sacrifice, which biblically it, it is virtuous mm-hmm. to, to lay down your life for other people. And at the same time, there's a humility in acknowledging uh, our own limitations and mm-hmm. our own needs and being able to do that so that we are in a place of, of health and strength and connection with the Lord, you know, to be able to give away mm-hmm. what we've received yeah. from him. And so, and that kind of ties into our next question is, uh, how would you encourage wives or moms really to humbly embrace their own capacity or limitations, you know, depending on the season of life that they find themselves in. Well, yeah, every woman is different, and every season can be different too. And I know for us there were seasons where my capacity, because of health challenges and even just figuring out the beginnings of motherhood, I felt like I didn't have much capacity for anything else. And so I think I, because of that, became a little passionate about just women not allowing those things to divide us Mm. with each other. Because there are going to be some whose capacity is like off the charts. And I think there can be a tendency of comparison and Mm. thinking you need to be something that you just can't in that season. Um, And there can also be the opposite side where someone with a bigger, a higher capacity in a season can look at someone who's not doing as much and think they should be doing more. And so I think that's that's an area where I feel like as women we just need to be careful and more so seek to understand where where we are at and how we can yeah. help each other in that. We may need to be challenged a little bit if, if a lady's getting more idle um, and encouraged, but in a way of, I see this gift in you mm-hmm. and I see this ability in you and... I would love if you used it in this way. And I think that's such a completely different way in approaching it. But, you know, for for us, capacities just look different Mm. in different seasons. And I've had to say and put things aside that I love and that I wish I could do for the sake of my family and to care for them well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Our, our transition into parenthood was not easy. You know, our first child was a, a tough sleeper. It's right when I started vocationally in ministry. And I just remember that season that you just couldn't be involved to the extent that, you know, we both would have desired you to be. And that, that can be frustrating. Like when you, I have a passion for this, I have gifts, I want to use it. And then for the church and to strengthen, you know, the body. And, and yet being humble enough to admit like, gosh, Yes, I, I want to be faithful in these things, but right now is not the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's hard to discern, you know, and, and kind of over the last decade or so, like you've jumped in and jumped out and different and served in different capacities and use your gifts in a variety of ways. And I think it's been beautiful, but it really has been that, hey, let's, let's process together as a husband and wife, mm-hmm. discern the season we're in, and then, you know, have, have our life rhythm set up accordingly that's what's healthy for us overall as a family um, and, and based upon our priorities even, you know. So I think we've, uh, we, we haven't done that perfectly. We've stumbled through that and it's been hard and there's been times where, you know, you've wanted to do more and I've been like, yeah, I don't think that's the best idea. And there's times that I've maybe said, hey, why don't you do a little bit more? And you're like, I can't. Like, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a dance, you know, but I think communication over time and, and, and reflection on past seasons is really important. Um, just again, to continue to cultivate, um, how do we move forward in, in kind of that real honesty with, uh, with where we're at, where the Lord has us in the season of life. So I think you touched on the husband and wife role of, as a wife, 
if you're talking with your husband and he sees all what's going on at home and he's caring for you and knowing what's best for you, like to really, really take that and take his, mm. his advice and knowing like, Hey, I don't think this is the best, the best fit for right now. But, and then being able to share your heart of things you want to be a part of mm. and be involved. But I think that that connection there and that safeguard like so ultimately it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks if you and your husband are on the same page like that's that's a win yeah 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 that's huge that's a big deal all right so uh this last question i know uh is something i've really valued about you and and i've seen in you and that is just your heart of compassion and i just feel like god has made you a very compassionate empathetic person that's one of your one of your gifts one of your strong suits just high in mercy and, um, but, but how, how was that cultivated in your heart? And then how have you sought to continue to con- cultivate compassion, uh, in just the life of our family? Yeah, I've been very grateful that God has blessed, blessed our family with kind of this legacy of compassion. You know, I have vivid memories of watching my dad early in the morning, get up before anybody else was awake. And I would see him out there and he'd be shoveling driveways of neighbors. The neighbor down the street would call when he was busy doing something and would say, Hey, this isn't working. My garbage disposal or my computer. And he would drop everything to go and help them. And there was no complaint. There was a willingness to interrupt his day to serve others. And You know, I've seen that with my mom. I've seen that with my grandmother has been a great woman of prayer. Um, She, there's this legacy that has come from my great grandmother, my great grandfather and my grandma of just how important, how beautiful and how impactful prayer is. Mm -hmm. And I really think prayer has kept my heart regularly compassionate to the needs of others Mm -hmm as I'm mindful of that there is stuff going on in other people's lives puts my life into perspective. When I feel like, goodness, this is really hard or Mm. I'm really frustrated with this. When I start praying for somebody else and I hear what's going on in their world, my heart is immediately soft Mm. and I'm, uh, and I'm thinking about others before myself. And so I think just a lifestyle of cultivating prayer and we try to, you know, I think that by God's grace, just seems to naturally flow in our days. Um, little things like when there's a siren that we hear, it's mm. like we stop everything to pray for whatever's going on um, or a car accident. And that's what my grandma did. Mm. And so I think it was just this natural overflow of I was marked by that. And so it marked me mm. in such a way that it has passed down to my children. And they love it. They're the ones like, there's someone homeless. Can we give them something? What do we have? And they had the idea of making bags and they wanted to go to the store and buy all the stuff and be ready to give mm. um, and to also engage in conversation mm. and get their names and to pray for them. And so um, I think ultimately compassion is a willingness to have your life be interrupted mm. for the sake of others. Yeah. Um, and I can totally grow in that. I want, you know, I can get very agenda based with my day, um, but. I ultimately, I want that compassion to always be Mm. a big thing in our home Mm. and that we are always willing to be interrupted for the sake of others. 
Yeah, I think that's so good. You were just sharing like, you know, acts of compassion aren't something that you uh, schedule into your day. It's mostly responding to a need that you just come across just as you're living life. Mm -hmm. And so having that spirit and that willingness to, uh, yeah, just really respond to the needs that surface, that, that's, that's hard in our day and age. Our mm -hmm. culture does not lend towards that. We have schedules and deadlines and all these things. And so showing compassion and, and helping people is, is, is obviously something that takes time. It's not, you know, on our agenda. And so I think you've, you've, you've been a great example to me of that where it's like, Oh no, we got to do this. I'm like, no, we got to be here on time. You know, I'm very punctual. I like being on time. And, uh, and you've, you've just been a good model of, of like, okay, yeah, but what's God doing right now? What's God's agenda and what's God's heart in this moment? And so I think even scripturally you can see, you know, it's it's always been a hard thing, mm. you know, for for us for man to be interrupted. You mm. know, the story of the Good Samaritan, where it's like everybody went on their way when there was a, somebody who was in need, yeah. and there was one person who stopped and was willing to mm. be interrupted and cared not just for a quick, just going to do this need for you but was willing to enter in. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that God continues to grow yeah. that in me and cultivate that more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are awesome. And uh, I appreciate you sharing your heart and sharing your wisdom with everyone today. Uh, again, a, a mom's role, uh, it, it's, a, it's a challenging role. It's a, it's a big responsibility. It can be a heavy load. But again, that concept of, this is sacred stewardship. God has entrusted us with these these roles, entrusted us with children to to raise them up in the ways of the Lord and and to instruct them in wisdom. And uh, again, I think if we're all honest, we are are all more aware of our failures and our shortcomings than we are of our victories. And and that's that's just kind of how we're wired as people is to to see. Um, see what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. But I think it's really important for us, uh, for all of us to remember that we are under the gospel of grace, that we are all in process of becoming more like Jesus and not a person on the planet has arrived in being perfectly like Christ. We are all on this journey together and growing in wisdom and in virtue and, and those things, again, they're cultivated over time. They're not things that just like all of a sudden like, all right, now I'm I'm perfectly wise and I'm completely virtuous, right? It's, it's, that's, that's just not how it works. But, um, but honestly, for us to step back and to recognize that if we are in Christ, God says we are children of God. That's our identity. That's who we are. Like God already looks at us and he smiles. And he says, hey, be who I've made you to be. Live this way as a manner pleasing to me. But this is for your good. This is for your joy. This isn't earning your salvation or proving your worth as a child. This is just being a child of God and seeing his, his instructions, his commands, not as burdens, but as blessings to be followed. And I think, you know, we've, we've been able to taste and see that over time that, hey, in the moment, it, I wasn't excited to obey or excited to, to do this or do that. But in the end, you see like, oh, there was blessing in that. When I choose to trust the Lord, when I choose to abide and follow his word, uh, it, 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 it produces blessing. 
and it produces uh, some it produces really good fruit and so again moms we just want to encourage you today and and let you know you are loved you are cared for you are under the banner of the gospel of grace and uh, again thank you for the significant role that you play uh, in your children's life and your family's life you uh, have the ability to to leave a legacy of influence just like Cheryl said from from her family that spans back generations that that is the power of a mother's influence even in a family tree and what can happen and so mothers just pray that you are encouraged today that you know you are loved by your heavenly father that you yourself are a daughter of King Jesus and you're a part of his kingdom and you can rejoice in that. And so we love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in today and uh, let's continue and worship the Lord through one last song together.